I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Douglas Lehman. And we love to watch. We love to watch is about to give you the old hairball handshake. I used to be an A student, but my problems were better good. I couldn't pass the exams. I couldn't be responsible. Hey Pete, hey Doug. Hi. Hey. I was I will I'll be honest, Peter, I was legitimately curious what you were gonna say for the opening title because a lot of options a lot of uh and uh like this podcast uh is going to be a valuable member of society a lot of shunting references feels like it could have went a lot of places we love to watch us live in a society (laughs) i went with the uh the most baffling the the most baffling item uh on my list which was um which was the, the the mom that that strange mother that's like a robot and part of the part of the cult? I yeah, guess. I actually uh, I watched the DVD extras for this, uh, and Brian Usna says about her, uh, he doesn't know what her deal was either. He just thought it was fun and weird. <laughs> um, that's what I, you need for like a horror. Yeah, which uh, which kind of matches his whole vibe. But anyways, uh, we're we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. Typically, we pick a theme. And uh, for a month, let's say, and then we do movies around that month, uh, around that theme. We do movies over the course of that month around that theme. Yeah, that's right. And if we remember, we can compare and contrast. Every once in a while, we do something a little different. So we just wrapped up October. We did Ladies Fright Night Part 2. Thank you so much to all of our guests who brought movies on, uh, uh, horror movies directed by women to talk about. And thank you again. If uh, In case we didn't call her out on any of the episodes, I know like one or two of them got cut out because they were in weird spots. And I was very – I felt bad about that. But Carrie Nelson uh, – Multiple time guest, kind of our executive producer, uh, uh, and definitely the producer of that month. Such a good time. But we have a tradition on We Love to Watch, which is doing something a little bit special. Some movies we've been saving or or big conglomeration episodes for our Halloween uh, episode. Spooktober is our uh, is our is our most holy time of the year, and uh, Halloween, of course. Is like our Christmas and our Easter and Ash Wednesday all rolled into one. And so uh, in past years, we've been like, we got to do something big and amazing. So we can't just do one movie. We'll do our favorite parts of horror anthologies or, oh, I know, we'll watch the Resident Evil movie, play the video game, read the unproduced George Romero script. Or last year when we're like, we're going to do three Halloween movies. This year, the movie is so special. It can sit on its own. It doesn't need other things to be special because this is a movie that Peter and I it's probably on a list of like five movies that we've been talking about since we started this podcast and have been so excited to do it and that is Brian Usna's directorial debut from 1989 not really released until direct-to-video on 1992 uh, Society and it's a movie that I wasn't aware about until about four years ago like many other people when someone told me I need to watch Society, it was somewhere in the Dissolve, 
And I, I, I bought the Arrow uh, Blu-ray release and uh, was like immediately a movie that I wanted to talk to people about. It, it's, it's, it's such a good movie. It has made me spend way too many, too, way too much money on Arrow releases, uh, Kino releases, trying to find these gems that somehow had completely escaped my knowledge that were this fucking amazing. Uh, and uh, I kept trying to get Peter to watch it. Uh, it was after we started this podcast. And Peter, like a lot of movies that I tell him to watch, because in some ways making a recommendation is inflicting a form of violence on someone. <laughs> um, he didn't watch. He, yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, we, I have this weird thing where I can only watch 50% of the thousand movies you recommend to me in a year. So I did what any good friend would do, and I bought it for him. So he had no excuse. Oh, Sent it to him. And he watched it, and he was immediately like, holy shit, I, this movie's amazing. And then a month ago, the reason Doug Douglas – actually, Doug, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, then I want to talk about that. Here's one thing I want to say really quick. Society is a movie that has gained some resurgence through the Arrow release, and it just uh, – people talk about it more online. It's been on Shutter for a few years, uh, but definitely was one of those, like – straight to video. I don't think there was a DVD release for the most part. Like it just kind of stayed dormant for a long time. And now has this resurgence online. We don't usually do spoiler warnings because we understand that if you're listening to this podcast and you know, our show, we're going to talk about the whole thing. This is your chance. If you have not seen society, don't know, or just have like a little inkling about where it gets somewhere weird, but you don't know what stop this podcast. And I cannot stress enough to go watch this movie. Because part of the fun of this movie is this paranoid thing where are people out to get me and are they not? And it is that. Where it goes is unlike any movie I have ever seen before or said. Like, it is almost indescribable in its weirdness. And so I would I would implore you, if you don't know what happens, watch the movie. It still is on Shudder. Having said that, I will stop talking. Doug. If somehow people don't know our little uh, uh, monster truck wonderkin, uh, <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, hi, folks. To those who are unaware, I'm Douglas Lehman. I'm a film aficionado. Uh, I'm a writer um, on my own blog, Land of the Nerds, as well as on websites like The Prosper Press, The Spool, and Scarlet Teen. Um, I've also written a couple of scripts. Uh, and I have now become a person who has seen society. Now, about a month ago, I posted on Facebook that I was watching The Dark Knight. And for the caption for when I posted it, I made a joke referencing the Joker movie, right? I did a why so society? Why so serious? We live in a society. You merge them. It's just a dumb joke. That's most of my social media work. Two, three hours later, Dark Knight, awesome, still awesome movie. I come back to Facebook and I got a lot of notifications. I mean, there's a bunch. I'm blowing up, and I'm like, what is going on? And why is Aaron Armstrong <laughs> tagging me in a comment? Uh, and it turns out he thought I was watching Society, but not The Dark Knight. And my first thought was, what the heck is Society? I've never <laughs> even heard of it. Because as Aaron said, it's a more obscure title. And then he had posted in another Dissolve subgroup um, <laughs> a campaign for Doug Lehman to watch Society. And all of a sudden, all these people are coming out of the woodwork like, Doug, you've got to watch Society. Doug, you've got to watch Society. Well... We Love to Watch isn't the only uh, film-related thing on the internet to have an October-themed <laughs> movie series. I've been what? Doing, uh, <laughs> I know. Shocking. Um, I've been doing 13 days of first-time frights on Land of the Nerds, 
and I decided to make society one of those first-time frights. Let me tell you, folks, society, <laughs> it's a little bonkers. We're living in it. Weird, wild stuff. It's- yeah, it, it was. Um, I did think for a second, because why so society, which was, which I read as, like, why society? Like, just a general <laughs> question just mark as to why? why society existed, which is it definitely a appropriate reaction to this movie and so i was excited and then i kind of scrolled down i saw that you know douglas layman is watching the dark knight and i posted (laughs) how disappointed that was how disappointing that was to me and uh other people too i know rick kelly i think a couple uh guests of this show a couple other people were like they read it that way too just because once you've seen this movie you're trained to see the term society and get excited and yeah so i started a campaign for uh, a, a political campaign for Spooktober 2020. My one campaign platform was to get Douglas Lehman to watch Society, which he did a week later. And then, uh, rudely, uh, <laughs> he, I'm like, please write about it. Like, please tell me your thoughts on this. And Doug said, absolutely. And he watched it. And then he said, but I'm saving my thoughts for my series next month. Uh, so I had to wait a whole month. Uh, to read this amazingly well-written essay by Doug about the movie that will definitely be linked to in the show notes. Thank um, you, Aaron. But yeah, it was it was just one of those things where someone who you... I, I feel like I have a sense of your movie taste, Doug, and like what you like and what you don't like. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that um, horror movies in general, even some pretty big ones, are kind of your blind spot. I I would definitely say so. I did not watch a lot of horror uh, growing up. Do you have those stories of like kids watching horror films when they're young or whatever, like too early? Never. I was way too much of a scaredy cat as a kid. I don't think I saw a horror film in theaters till I was eighteen. So like, I I've been really trying to catch up on those, you know, in the last few years. And I love horror cinema now. I'm a huge fan of it. But you're so right. There's a so much to catch up on. Yeah. There's so much. I've just now like. Catching up on uh, Nosferatu. I'm going to watch uh, Let the Right One In this weekend. Like, there's a lot to watch. Yeah. And so, and so Doug, who uh, has like this passion for movies, and I think also a passion, like, Doug was on our Monster Trucks episode. Doug was on our Monster Trucks episode. And like, that features a goopy, lovable creature as well. And I think Doug has a, a little bit of a passion for eccentric visions. Uh, and so I, I really was interested in exposing Doug to this movie that I think, even for uh, dyed in the wool horror nerds like Peter and myself, was still shocking. I, I will say Monster Trucks features some imagery that's a lot more disturbing than Society, but Society is still really good. Yeah, I would I say mean, Monster Trucks, though, balances out the disturbing with the deeply erotic, but we can get to that I, another day. Well, wasn't Society very erotic to you, Peter? Yeah, uh, it's it's a 100-minute yes, it's, it's movie. It takes me four hours to watch it each time because I uh, stopped to masturbate at least 30 times during the last 20 minutes of it. Like, oh, there we go. <laughs> The problem is I'm usually masturbated out, and so the end isn't that erotic to me um, because I just, you know, I'm kind of spent. Because you had just watched Monster Trucks. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I used all my nickels on uh, I used all my nickels on Time Crisis, and now there's not any left for, you know, uh, 
I don't know the the fuck the fuck pile in the back room of theaters. You know that I thing where you pop a quarter. Run it. Used to pull my nickels again. Can't get into the super duper orgy. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I like the idea that you've turned into such an old man that you think like when on my day we play Time Crisis and it cost a nickel. <laughs> it was like eight dollars in quarters. It was like six credits. To oh yeah, it cost the same, but I paid in nickels. You paid in nickels. <laughs> The kids hated me. I had one of those little uh, punch change dispensers, and it was all the way around my body, and then I also had a chewy-like bandolier. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're going to get more into society in a second, uh, but we have some Spooktober recap. So, uh, Doug, we can start with you. You mentioned you're watching a lot of horror movies for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you, you mentioned Let the Right One In, Nosferatu. Any other ones that you've watched for your 13 days of Layman's Laments? Um, that you hadn't seen it before. That's the name is Lament that you hadn't seen it before. Uh, <laughs> that you wanna you wanna call out? Uh, quite on. I might be mispronouncing oh, that. I that was the first. I had never seen that either. That was my first Booktober watch this this month. It's good, man. It's, it's good. so good. Oh, so beautiful to look at. Uh, Carrie. It looks like a fairy tale, and that's what makes it so spooky at times. Uh, let's see. I also watched. <clears throat> excuse me, Jennifer's Body, which was excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah watched it at the right time, which is uh, not in 2009 when uh, everybody hated it. Yeah, in 2009 when all these male critics were just assholes. Uh, the Fly with Jeff Ooh, Goldblum. What, uh, two movies that we've done episodes on. Yeah. What Do you like The Fly? Oh, I love The Fly. Y'all, that's some great practical effects work. And just, it's such a tra- more tragic romance story than I thought. Like, I had no idea that was such a big part of it. It's so good. And uh, let me just also give a little shout out to, oh, uh, Near Dark from Catherine Bigelow. Another, that's our last episode that came out before this one. Oh, oh, Bill Paxton in that alone makes that a fun ride. He's just full on mode, but like, it's such a well-constructed script and I was not expecting that. It's really well written. Uh, All right. Uh, Yeah. So I watched uh, 12 new movies since the last time we recorded. I'm at 35 new, 40 overall. So I'll go through these pretty quick. Uh, one is a recommendation from Peter. Uh, uh, the Bad Seed, which oh, is yes. super creepy. So yeah, this for a movie that's 130 minutes that like basically takes place in one house, there was a part of me that was like, oh, this is going to be a little bit of a drag. And it was not. It was creepy and spooky the whole time. I will say it does. It has four different endings and it just keeps uh, flying right through them. Which is a kind of a little bit of an odd choice. There's like, oh, that's the ending. What an interesting twist. And then I'm like, oh, never mind. I guess that's the ending. Well, that's a good twist too. Oh, wait. That's the ending? Okay. And then the actual ending is like, oh, okay. <laughs> they, she she got hit by lightning. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it is it, so sudden like, it made me like, laugh so fucking hard when it came. It did. It made like, me laugh too. Because then the credits run. Because there are these like, well, this You can hear God groaning. Ending. It, it's like, hey, I got an idea. All the twists. We're just going to go twist. Another twist. Another twist. Another twist. Well, we've kind of written ourselves to a corner. Fucking blows up by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I watched uh, Tales of Terror. I'm going to try to go through all the like uh, Price, Poe, uh, Corman movies. Uh, Tales of Terror is has uh, one okay story. Uh, it's a it's an anthology uh, one pretty good story and then like one amazing story that takes up most of the runtime so I really liked it the the black cat 
uh, segment is fantastic. Uh, I watched, let me try to get through some new ones. I watch, uh, so Terrified did in fact make me terrified, uh, up there with Satan's Slaves as, uh, one of the two scariest movies I've seen so far this month. Uh, the amount of times, like, I caught my breath or jumped, and not like in a, not like in a, uh, jump, you know, jump scare type, like, cheap maneuver, like, just kind of horrifying imagery suddenly being on screen in a very, uh, creepy way. Uh, other new ones that I watched were uh, One Cut of the Dead, which is one of my favorites I've seen so far this month. It is so... At first, I was I had some questions for Peter, and I'm not even going to say what those questions are because I don't want to ruin it. But it go it is not the movie that I expected it to be, and it just filled me with so much joy. Uh, I can see why... I can see why Peter said at the beginning of the month, like, if you need a little pick-me-up from the kind of spooktober doldrums that you've been watching a lot of, like, you get into a a stretch of bland movies and you want to uh, get excitement for the genre again, watch One Cut of the Dead. And that is the perfect advice. Oh, it sounds so good. And I needed that, and I chose that because I watched the only movie that I flat out hated that I watched this month, which is uh, a movie from 2014 called Hellmouth, which I was really excited about because it is – it actually has some good reviews – it's by the writer and stars the same uh, star as Pontypool, which I feel like is one of the great underrated horror movies of the last 10, 15 years. If you don't have the but like the good Pontypool did not have a budget, but it had a story that didn't need a budget to be scary. If your story is an apocalyptic hellmouth battling giant sized demons, and the way you cover for that is uh, we're gonna do like a super cheap version of Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow crossed with Sin City. Like, we'll do digital colorization and and green screen and then terrible effects, and we'll just kind of make it part of the style. Like, I can't decide if I enjoy your movie if I'm trying to punch my eyeballs out the whole time. (laughs) So, not only was it bland and uninteresting and had, like, it was a true pain to just, like, visually experience. Uh, I fucking hate it. So I need one cut of the dead. And then I felt nothing was going to top one cut of the dead for that night. So I watched Friday the 13th Part 2 afterwards. Uh, and Nice that, over-the-plate movie. Yeah, it was yeah, exactly exactly what I wanted. Um, and it was kind of fun to see, like, Jason before they figured out Jason, right? Like, he's like, I don't know, I have a spear. Uh, but I watched uh, the director's cut of Raising Cain by Brian De Palma. I had never seen the original. I'd heard a lot of people really praise uh, the director's cut. And oh my gosh, did I love that movie. So if you have access to the Shout Blu-ray, do it. Because apparently the reason I love it is because it's better than the one that was released theatrically. Um, I saw the new Fright Night, the remake with Colin Farrell, which I oh. also loved. Hmm. Uh, I, do, I keep hearing better than expected things about that. Yeah, I think I like I like the original Fright Night. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I think I like this one even more. Like it was so funny and so like just it just blew by. It was it, everyone was perfect. Let's see. I watched Crawl, which ruled. Crawl's good. The remake of Child's Play, which I think is the second best Child's Play movie. I saw Nightmare Cinema, which has uh one terrible uh, anthology segment and then also one of the best ones I've ever seen so I'd highly if you if you if it ends up on shutter which I think it does soon and you're like I don't want to sit through two hours of uh actually three pretty good segments and one terrible one fast forward to the fourth segment which is one of the best anthology segments I've ever seen um huh about to say something very similar about a different anthology 
Great. Ooh. Uh, uh, and then I saw Castle Freak get my Stewie Gordy on. He's a freak. He lives in a castle. You can't deny it. Uh, and then the last one is a, a, a kind of a weird thing ripoff called Metamorphosis, which uh, was good for the like a 1990s sci-fi horror movie, which is good for the special effects. Uh, that's so good for like acting and plot and anything else. But yeah, I watched a lot, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, still have more to go. Still have a whole week left of this crazy little thing called Spooktober. Peter, what did you get the chance to watch? I watched 11, so not quite 12, so I almost matched your pace, Aaron. Um, but you didn't, though. Uh, <laughs> so close. I was halfway through Hagazusa, then I would have been renting the money. Um, like like, like my uh, No Fear shirt said when I was growing up, second place is the first loser. No, no fear. <laughs> what? Doug, you're too young for No Fear shirts. Peter might be, too. I know what a no fear shirt is, but I was mostly familiar with them as bumper stickers. I think the guys, the the shirts got rotated out of uh, people's fashion faster than the bumper stickers could be scrubbed off of uh, Mazda Miatas. Uh, the first one I watched was Bad Moon, which is directed by Eric Red, who wrote uh, The Hitcher and Near Dark. And uh, it's not, uh, not a well-scripted movie, uh, unfortunately, unlike those two well-scripted movies. But anyways, he, he made a movie called Bad Moon, which is the last movie he made before his incident. Um, and Bad Moon uh, is a werewolf movie. And the best actor in the movie is a, a German actor, a German shepherd actor. A German actor. Uh, he's actually a German shepherd named Thor. And uh, it's a really great special, similar to the, this Metamorphosis movie Aaron referenced. Uh, not, all the performances are pretty terrible, except for Thor. Um, Thor is a good boy. and uh, the, But the special effects are gnarly. Special effects are awesome. So if you really want to see a werewolf movie that's like lean and mean, gets out, gets in and out in 90 minutes, check it out. It's on, I think it's on Amazon. Uh, I watched The Ranger, uh, which was pretty disappointing. It's like one of those Shutter originals. I really liked the last 20 minutes, though. Last 20 minutes rule. Um, I watched Kathy's Curse, which I watched on one of those chilling horror tales box sets with like 50 horror movies in it because uh, Brian Collins recommended it. And uh, the the video quality is terrible. <laughs> Like, really, really bad. Like, I do not recommend buying the box sets. But, guys, apparently they remastered this movie. And uh, Kathy's Curse is so fun. It's insane. It's fucking insane. Uh, it's like a possession movie. Uh, but, like, none of it lines up. But the ineptness actually adds to, like, the psychological horror in a way. But also, like, when it's it doesn't work, it's just funny. Uh, now, is this the was... same Kathy who, who uh, says act a lot? <laughs> <laughs> You know you have the curse if you keep saying that you're frustrated. Uh, I mean, it sounds like an in- incantation if I've ever heard one. Ack, now, ack, I, mean, ack. I oh. may not know my horrors in a, from top to bottom, but I know my very, very mainstream comic strips, and uh, <laughs> I love me a good Kathy reference. That's good. I'll <laughs> throw out some Beetle Bailey and some Hagar the Horrible later for you. You, you better drop some time. Heathcliff, Aaron. That's what I'm down for. That Heathcliff guy, he's crazy. Uh, Heathcliff is similar to Kathy's Curse in that it never makes sense, but occasionally some <laughs> some weird entertainment can be derived from it. Uh, also, both next... had a Saturday morning cartoon based on it for a little bit. <laughs> That'd be great. Like Kathy's uh... Curse, the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the crossover episode with the Beetlejuice animated series. You know what's cool about the Beetlejuice animated series? Beetlejuice Less never rape. tries to, uh, to uh, sexually molest any characters on that show. Well, I uh, have you gone through episode by episode? I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Some of those 90s cartoons are not uh, great. 
yeah. So the next one was called uh, a little thing called My Bloody Valentine in 3D in 2D. Uh, the Patrick Lussier remake from uh, 2009. You never told me where you ended up on that. You said you were digging it and then, but you still had a third to go. I, I really liked it. Um, I'm not a big slasher guy, but this was a recommendation from Aaron. And uh, I'm not a big slasher guy, but I really enjoyed it. I think I think I would have had a like a much better time if I could have watched it in 3D, though. Like I had fun with it just as like a, a cool, gloopy, glossy mid 2000s slasher, or I guess late 2000s slasher. But uh, I would have had even more fun with it if it was in 3D. Um, yeah. And then the next one is actually a recommendation for Aaron. Aaron, have you seen Waxwork from the 80s? No, it's on my, like, master, uh, like, 400-movie letterbox Spooktober ideas list, but I've not seen it. It's incredibly Aaron core. Can you um, describe Aaron core for all the Aaron's listening? It's uh, <laughs> it's an eighties movie that delves into sort of like uh, a, a kid's sense, kid's sense of horror, a kid's sense of wonder at the world. It's gloopy. Uh, it has lots of British, co- like uh, it's a horror comedy. It has lots of like British character actors uh, giving big sort of broad villainy. Um, it's um. Uh, Let's see what else we got. It's very funny. It's it's very goofy. Like it seems funny, like movie British and goopy. Apparently defines Aaron Core. Yeah, I do like society. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it does have a sort of society sense of humor. It has a lot less to say about society. It has more more to say about wax. Does uh, it say the word society as much as society? Because that's really a deal breaker for me. If it doesn't, <laughs> it does not. No. Um, does it say along, wax a lot? Uh, yeah. But they're mostly, they're, they're talking about actual wax, though. Right. Um, in society, they're talking about waxing off. Um, <laughs> the next one I watched was The Perfection, which is the worst movie I've watched this month and probably will be the worst movie. Uh, oh, is that the Ashley month. Williams movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, ho- I was hoping that'd be good. Uh, all the performances in it are bad, except for... Um, Stephen Weber. Stephen Weber's amazing in it. Uh, it. It's like a really fun first 40 minutes. And then it's just like this really inept and like really disappointing movie that like it, it's really pretty on its surface, but I had no emotional connection to it. It's incredibly poorly plotted. Um, What's the movie I, called? The Perfection. It was a straight to Netflix kind of oh, thriller. I will admit I did like that one, though I found it an interesting like experience. I'm not sure if it holds together all that well, but it was just interesting to see where the hell they were going with that thing. I didn't like any of the characters, so I ended up identifying with the lead women as like archetypes, not as characters, which is like not a fun way to get attached to a movie. I was like, well, I'm rooting for women in general because I root for women in general in real life. That's right. Like, I I don't want to root for a character just because they're not the worst thing in the world, right? Let's go women. Yeah, I I root for them because I don't think women should... Whatever. I won't get into the details in the movie. But yeah, it's probably (laughs) the worst thing I've watched this month. I hope I watch something worse because it is very pretty. Oh, watch Hellmouth. Oh, watch Hellmouth. (laughs) Uh, The next one I thought was going to be way worse, but I actually really liked it was Terrifier. Terrifier on its surface looks like the worst movie ever, but if you like slashers, watch it. It's super inventive. It's super creepy. I don't care if you're sick of the clown thing. I'm also sick of the clown thing, and it's really good. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. Uh, the next one I watched because of we watched Near Dark um, was The Lost Boys. I hadn't seen that uh, since I was like a kid, so I considered that a new watch. Mm, um, I don't. I didn't remember. So you're actually, but, at, you're actually at 10. Uh, shut the fuck up, Aaron. <laughs> um, I saw it when I was probably like eight, 
Um, so I'm counting that as a fresh one because I could I didn't remember any of this movie. I don't remember any of the twists. I didn't remember who was in the movie. It's really fucking good. I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was going to have aged the way a lot of these like '80s classics age, where you're like, well. I mean, I, I like the actors, so it's fun to see them be young and hot, but this isn't very fun. No, it's it's the opposite. I It actually made me like all of these actors from the start again. Um, it made me appreciate why these actors got so big. And in some ways, I, I think I kind of like it more than Near Dark, which is very off-brand <sighs> for me. Uh, I usually prefer the moodier, the moodier, more quiet movie to like the more, uh, you know, big, big one. And then the next one I watched was Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street Five: The Dream Child. Um, and like it's 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 fine. It's over. It's like a three out of five like over the plate movie. I mean, it's in terms of actual like construction, it's pretty bad. Um, but it gives me the crazy Freddy nightmare imagery, and it's just wall to wall of practical cool effects. So like, I have a hard time hating it. It's sort of like the latter phantasm movies like if you just keep throwing nightmare imagery at me like i'm kind of fine <laughs> like i'm kind I, I don't so i don't i think my least favorite nightmare movie now is freddy versus jason yeah i watched so last year i watched four five and six for the first time so like in that grouping four and six rule and so five really stood out as like bad so it's just like maybe if play, i would like if i would have watched it in a vacuum it may be different yeah, but we gave it the same score of, like, three stars. Um, just over the plate, just, like, f- cool, fun. Like, it, it, it's very much a participation trophy, three stars. But, yeah, I'm not, like, recommending it to anyone. But, I mean, I just, I'm, I, have a, I have a very big soft spot for this series. Um, the next one is uh, I want to talk to you about Aaron because... Uh, I want to talk to you about Aaron. Uh, it sounds very similar. That does sound like a horror movie. Uh, when you talk about Kevin, I want to talk to you about Aaron. Kevin's not a problem right now. We need to talk about Aaron. He's much worse. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Kevin uh, is essentially removed from, ironically, society. <laughs> Aaron's still out and about. So you talked about an anthology movie that has, like, one big dud and then a bunch of really good ones and then one amazing one. Yep. Uh, Field Guide to Evil. Uh, oh, yeah. It's on my list. Oh, it's so month. fucking good. It's so fucking good. I don't know why there are all these middling reviews for it. It's... Full core from eight directors from all over the world. The only bad one is the American one. And I think it might be the shortest one. It's like fucking eight minutes. So who cares? So like I give it. Yeah, like like the worst one on Joe. uh, Sorry. The worst one on Nightmare Cinema was the Joe Dante one, which was very hurtful to me personally. Yeah. I needed the American guy to show up because like this is America. We have like we have an entire apparatus to make movies like the two best ones in this collection should have been the american one and the indian one um but yeah, why, don't you, why don't you use the apparatus americans um <laughs> <laughs> uh, i know that's not really how things work but but yeah it's 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 every i liked every single story except for the american one everything was good to great for me everything was they were very unique all the scares inside were unique each one had their own little atmosphere and sense of style and the coolest one in there was peter strickland makes a silent horror movie or it's like a silent folk fairy tale and uh aaron i know you love peter strickland uh i do that was the best one in the series by far Awesome. Uh, yeah, I still have that on my list. I've been kind of saving it um, for as I kind of approach the, the the home stretch. I wanted to save one anthology movie that uh, on my docket. So 
Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, and then the last one is Quatermass in the Pit, which I won't talk about too much because it ended up not really being a horror movie, despite kind of being. So you actually watch nine. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, it actually uh, <laughs> it it, uh, it was put in my face as like a horror movie. And then it, it's really just like a sci fi movie with some some horror elements. I think Aaron, I think you really like the Quatermass movies. But uh, yeah, it, I like at least it, half mass. Like <laughs> Uh, pardon me. Pardon me, sir. Don't offer me your quarter mass. Quarter mass? No, you gotta be at least a half mass. Go. Uh, yeah, so far Spooktober has been spooky and tober. Yeah, it's been really good. Like, I have a, I have a week left. I still have the Alamo dismember thing where I'm gonna watch four movies that uh, I'll find out when I go see them uh, on Saturday here. Uh, excited to report back to that. So our last Spooktober recap. So this is our last. This will this will come out uh, the day before Halloween, and then we are doing, uh, which we'll announce next, uh, a, a different, not a non horror month. We are going to release a, a, a Spooktober recap. We'll talk about what we watched during the last week, as well as maybe like bests and worsts or something like that. Biggest recommendations over the course of the month. Um, in a special epi that'll be short and will come out sometime uh, following. This one, uh, before we get into our uh, lovable, warm, and literally fuzzy November, which Doug is also a part of. But uh, before we get there, we came here to talk about uh, uh, goop, licking, uh, orgies. Uh, shunting. Shunting. Thumbs into butts, but not the part of the butt that you think of. Like, just a, just like the flesh part of the butt. Not uh, that yeah. butt. This isn't the fun kind, folks. No. No, if you want thumbs into butts, uh, probably other movies. Go go nuts. On Get other go, movies. but not this one because the thumb does go in the butt, but not in a joyful way. Peter Doug, are you guys ready to live in a society and fucking talk about it? Woo! Gamers rise up. <laughs> <laughs> Alternate taglines. Alternate taglines. Um, don't worry, we're going somewhere with all this uh, sexual chemistry between brother and sister. <laughs> uh, perfect for Game of Thrones fans. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, boy catches. How about this? Um, uh, I caught my stepsister in a shunting festival. You'll never guess what happened next. <laughs> <laughs> Number ten will blow your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the weirdest uh, chubby checker song. Come on, baby, let's twist again, but again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally going to Pornhub's front page right now to see how many. And yep, I can see three incest porn links right now. Okay, got it. I don't know if stepsisters incest porn. <laughs> it it counts, man. It's your stepsister. I mean, it's it's on the verge. 
It's not biological incest. Guys, this isn't what we're here to talk. You got to dig no, into the no, psyche. No, yeah, you're right. Incest. We're not here to talk about incest, Peter. We're, here, <laughs> we're, here. we're talking about I mean, this incest. What's funny is that our main character, uh, we already gave the spoiler wall. Our main character, Bill, uh, he feels weird about his sexual attraction to his sister. And also the weird sexual chemistry his family has with one another. And and the tape he heard where they plan their fucking each other. Yeah, and then he finds out he's not actually related to her, his sister. Uh, which would normally be good news for his creepy attraction to her. Uh, except for now she's part of an alien race. And she's wants to. Uh, she's only been nice to him to consume him bodily. So they say that they're not aliens, and I want to get into that because I like an alternate theory that I've come up with. But anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, so society starts with a guy named Bill. You know, he's a typical like Beverly Hills. He's got a rich family, giant house. Uh, he's attractive. His family's all attractive. They have friends. Um, his sister has a ex boyfriend who's kind of kind of keeps showing up and he kind of razzes her about him like brothers and sisters do and he goes off with his friends he's running for class president against a nerdlinger he's got a got a good life but he also is seeing a psychologist because he just feels distant and the psychologist is like yep i mean you're 16 billy even though you look 35 (laughs) um maybe that's what makes you puberty hit you hard billy but uh and also you talk exactly like michael j fox He's like, yeah, you just feel alienated. This is all normal teenager stuff. So as he goes about his day, he's just he ends up uh, kind of not being interested in his girlfriend. And there's like this kind of uh, mysterious uh, girl at his school who, while he's giving a class president debate speech, like uh, does the Sharon Stone basic instinct maneuver. And he's kind of drawn to her. Meanwhile, the ex-boyfriend of his sister is like, hey. Uh, I've been bugging your sister. I'm not a weird stalker. I found out some shit and there's some crazy things going on. So he listens to this tape and this tape is like talking about her coming out party, which I guess was a thing that meant something different in 1989. I'm not quite sure. Maybe like a su- it means like sweet 16, I think. I think what it's I supposed find to be out. like, yeah, I think it's supposed to be similar to a quinceanera. A, I, I took it as a sweet, sweet 16, 16 thing. Yeah, sweet sixteen thing. Um, it's it's similar to uh, bar mitzvah in a sense. It's sort of like it's it's a thing that some rich families do. That's like allowing your child into like the adult world almost, and then they can yeah. start courting, and you you can start setting up for marriage and shit like that. It's 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 like even in the movie they're saying it's like very old school, even for the rich fuddy duddies. Yep, and so he's he missed it because he was doing some stuff with uh, his, his girlfriend, and he's like. So he finds this tape of the party that uh, that was recorded, and it's like, the tape is like, well, what do I do at my coming out party? And, and they're like, well, first you're going to copulate with a boy your own age, and then you're going to copulate with mom and dad here, and then we're just going to just kind of see where the night takes us. And then there's another recording of them, like, murdering someone in an orgy, and obviously Billy takes this news like, well, this is super fucked up, takes it to a psychologist and is like, this is the tape. And the psychologist is like, it's the middle of the night, come back, we'll listen to it together tomorrow. And the psychologist is like, this is another one of your paranoid fantasies, listen to the tape with a clear head. And it's all the beats that they had, but it's all the, instead of like, instead of like, you're going to copulate with a boy your own age first, is you're going to dance with a boy your own age first, and then you're going to dance with mom and dad, and then, you know, go out and dance with, you know, it's so it, it it's the same tone, same, same, um, same inflection, but keywords that uh, made it sound super fucked up 
are gone. So uh, Billy continues to kind of just be like, what is going on? He goes to this party uh, of someone who his girlfriend had wanted him to be invited to. They end up breaking up because he's kind of in love with uh, Clarissa. Who um, ironically explains it all. Uh, she does. She <laughs> literally does. <laughs> Thank um, you. So, yeah. So he runs into Clarissa at this party and Clarissa has kind of been uh, kind of falling. For, they've been kind of falling for each other or more just having a, a intense physical attraction. So there's this bully at this party who's the rich guy at the party whose name is... Is it Jim? Uh, it's the, something the tycoon. It's an Martin. asshole. The problem is none of these people have pictures on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, Ferguson. 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 Yep. Ferguson the so, tycoon. So, so it's at this party of a guy named Ferguson who's like this rich kid who's like, I'm going to go to Yale. And we have him lined for politics and all this kind of stuff. Ferguson's now dating Billy's sister. And Ferguson is like... He's like, what's going on? You're not telling me something. There's weird stuff. And Ferguson's like, yeah, we all fucked your sister and then murdered someone. Ha ha ha. And Billy's like, stop playing these jokes on me. I don't like you, Ferguson. Uh, And he ends up going back uh, to Clarissa's house. Uh, She explains it all about the ways of the body. Loses his virginity to her. Meanwhile, like, there's this weird, like, she's, she... This happens a couple times during the movie, including, like, walking in on his sister in the shower. Like, it feels like people's bodies keep getting contorted in these weird ways. And then he moves his eyes and everything looks normal again. So after sex, that's what happened. Then her mom comes home, who is like this, almost like John Waters-ass mom who doesn't talk and keeps, like, spitting out hair and giving it to her and then eating hair. uh, Wants to eat people's hair. Anyway, so uh, the person who he's running about class president against dies. Also, the ex-boyfriend is found dead. Uh, And he's like, what is going on? No one seems to care about these people dying. Then the person he's running against in class president shows up after he goes into the student body and is like, I saw his throat slit. So he goes to a hospital and then all these weird stuff happens at the hospital. He also has a friend who's kind of been following him this whole time and like, is Billy losing it? What's going on? It really is this great, like, it's about an hour and 10 minutes of this kind of, is he crazy or is there, or, or, you know, because... Because of its reputation, you probably know, like, he's not crazy, but what is what the fuck is going on here? So at the end, he finally gets uh, taken to his family, and his whole family starts celebrating. And literally, like, every powerful person in the rich town is there, from whether it's students to police officers to his psychologist. And they're like, we've played a great game. Huzzah, all of us. And the game was basically making Billy think that he was uh, an actual uh, child of his parents and that he was part of the same class uh and wealth as everyone else when he's not he has been just like just like um free range animals taste better the idea that if you like raise uh the they're rich and they see the the lesser the lower classes as people to drain power and gain power from and drain them of all of their resources and that's taken extremely literally in something called the shunting which is not eating them, but, like, just sucking out everything about them, from their slime to their goo. And meanwhile, you find out the rich truly don't operate on any of the same rules as the rest of, both uh, physically, because they can transform their body and do things with their body in any way, shape, or form, or, like, uh, any sort of concept of morality. So, like, his sister and his parents go up and, and fuck in the room, but, like... I need you to understand if you've never seen this movie. Again, why are you listening? When I say they go fuck in a room, it means all of their bodies meld together in different parts 
into uh, like i can't describe this it's essentially just like if you pushed into someone and could merge your skin with them and they're sucking out their people's flesh and how do you describe what happens the last 20 minutes like everyone gets conglomerated together in a way that you make contact points with somebody whether it's the lips the face your legs whatever your belly and wherever you're making contact with them you sort of melt into them like you're almost like like if you took wax figures and touched yeah. them together um but but the they can also is, turn inside out and to turn into other parts of the body and like it's it yes. is it is one of the craziest 20 minute sequences I've ever seen in a movie and it is uh, I think the whole movie is good up to this point, but this is like, that's why I said it's like nothing I've ever seen, ever. So at the end, uh, him and Clarissa and his friend defeat uh, Ferguson by punching him up his balls through his eye sockets. And then they they get into the Jeep and they run away. And everyone, all the rich people seem kind of okay with it. They're like, we're going to need to find a new uh, intern for Yale and the senator's office. But, like, what are they going to do to us? Like, we control. We're rich. We're wealthy. We're powerful. We control everything. So, sucks that we missed our 16-year-aged delicacy. And that's it. So, uh, yeah. So, really quickly, Aaron made me watch this disgusting filth. Um... I didn't want to, Mom. Um, he he did it, and he should be punished on me. You, I, I am a Christian person, Aaron, and I'm going to hell because of you. Thank you. I mean, this is a movie that <laughs> I would really like to show up. a priest, I think. <laughs> I, I feel like if you showed it to a priest with, with the lefty leanings, he would probably like it. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, originally we had talked about being in a month with movies like Get Out and uh, People Under the Stairs and just kind of being like, it really is very much about like uh, how uh, the upper classes operate in a different world and a different society and under a different set of rules than the rest of us do. And if you're not one of them, you are not, you mean nothing to them. You are less than. You are less than an animal. You don't have uh, rights. They don't have empathy for you. They see you as a different uh, uh, species. And they gain even more power and fun fun from uh, leeching the life force uh, and your entire being of who you are as a person uh, out of you. Uh, I do want to stop quick and talk about how this movie came to be because you you see a movie like this and you're like, how the fuck did this happen? Uh, So interestingly enough, like... Brian Usna had been working with Dan O'Bannon to direct a movie called The Men that Dan O'Bannon had wrote, which was this idea of – it was a paranoid thriller horror movie where basically uh, a woman discovers that all men are actually uh, invading aliens. And they are not – like that is why like there's a patriarchal society and it feels like, you know – uh, everything uh, that they that men control the world that it's actually like an invading force, uh, and that women don't need men and their stuff like that. So O'Bannon ended up dropping out of that, and that was his script, and he wanted to direct it, and Usna was going to produce it, and Usna did a lot of work on that, raised the funds for it, everything else, and like really liked this idea, this paranoid thriller. And lo and behold, the scriptwriter for this movie brings him a script that has it's a very he said it was a very different script and tone. But that idea of like that, 
paranoid thriller energy where what is going on around me like the world just seems wrong and discovering that it is wrong like there's a whole thing going on that you didn't know about and they're out to get you except the difference was it was a like uh satanic blood cult that all the rich people were a part of using a like to the script but was like i really like this idea of these um these weirdo Instead of just a blood cult, which we've seen a lot of movies, what if we do something different? And to him, he said that the scariest thing he ever saw was a movie called Dr. X, which had like someone's like face peeling off. And the idea of flesh is like a um, as like this thing to be like melded and molded and stuck on you was uh, gave him nightmares as a kid. And then he also saw the, the painting The Great Masturbator by Dolly which depicts like this uh, being as almost like silly putty stretched out. And those those kind of two things melded for him to go, oh, I know what would be terrifying and like something I've never seen in a movie before, like 1989 posts, like the resurgence of, of all the special effects wizards that were creating like all these, these gory, crazy masterpieces. Um but he was he got funding from Japan and they recommended Screaming Mad George to do the special effects. And he had a good partnership with Screaming Mad uh, George. They did a few movies together after this. Yeah, the effects in this are not to be discounted. And I'm really glad that Aaron uh, made me watch this movie because it, it really helped codify, I think, uh, what the work was going on in the 80s away from zombies and away from monsters and such like uh more towards this model of like with special effects you could do anything you wanted the monstrousness was it wasn't just that you know you could make really cool gloopy monsters it was that you could do kind of whatever you wanted and it could be extremely funny it could be extremely gross like it, it didn't tr it didn't have to be this you know werewolf with things and that's not to discount you know the work of, of great great special effects artists um uh, especially like Rick Baker and Rob Bottin and stuff. But like this movie, I think really helped open my mind to the tragedy is, that it is that like what we lost with uh, uh, practical effects getting pushed to the side because it, 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 and yeah, this movie just doesn't quite fit in a lot of molds easily. It's not it. Yes. It's a paranoid thriller, which I don't think I saw until I'd seen it third or fourth time. <laughs> Whatever time this this watch was, um, yes, this is I think it's thriller. very effective too. Like, if the idea of a paranoid thriller is to get you go so interested in the mystery that you're like, what is going on? This does it like it, to such a level that like the first era of the mystery is like not just the worms and stuff like that, but also then the tape, which is way more like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Than like yeah. we found the codex and maybe the president killed a, a cabinet member, <laughs> like. It's like, yeah. oh, hey, maybe your sister and your mom and your dad are all fucking, and also they ate someone during a fuck. <laughs> yeah, the way that it... <laughs> it's a great description. The, the disgustingness of it and the fact that they reveal that so early on uh, makes... It makes you want to reject it in your head. Yeah, like exactly. The character is rejecting it. And, and I think when this most recent watch, I caught some of the, the, the character work they did in this movie, which I really, I really like a lot of the performances in this movie, and I really like the way they're directed. But anyways... Uh, just speaking to this movie, it existed in a mold where it was like, okay, 1980s peak special effects, and they ran a completely different direction from everything I'd seen before. Uh, a social thriller, a, uh, you know, a, um, 
a, a, a extremely socially minded horror movie like this every horror movie is socially minded to some extent this movie is one where you can't ignore it like you can't just watch get out as a horror movie and ignore the the subtext the subtext is text and this is coming off like the 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 greed is good decade right like this two years after wall street this is where i think like going into the 90s and like all the things that came from kind of a rejection of that and like a correction it was like at its peak of like hey you know what actually like fuck the rich so hard like in a way that i don't think there had been as much because one of the things that happened i mean there'd always been rich people they point that out in this movie but one thing that happened like from the you know 60s 70s to the 80s and especially in the 80s is that like deregulation that reagan participated in or or instrument you know uh, instituted that allowed like rich people to become very rich people and capitalism to become like truly unfettered in its like uh, and taxes to go down so that even if you're making you know hundreds of millions of dollars you get to keep more and more of that um uh, and and who paid the cost uh society <laughs> yeah so that's another really great point is that I also really like 80s movies that seem to be rebelling against it. They Live and Repo Man are, are two of the biggest notable exceptions. Um, and so, yeah, this movie really broke the mold of what I was expecting out of an 80s thriller, especially since as much as I love Reanimator, Reanimator didn't strike me as a movie that was particularly socially conscious. Um, it's just a, a fantastic fucking adventure ride. Like, it's a fantastic horror comedy um, I don't really particularly think about the, um, the, I don't particularly get too deep in thought about even the nature of death when I'm watching Reanimator, right? I'm, I'm just thinking about, about it as like a, a really stirring, awesome character piece and as a comedy and as a horror piece. I'm not really, but this, like, I'm thinking about it as like a, a, a movie movie. I think of it as, as set of characters interacting with the world, but the, a creative type is directly trying to communicate a political message to us in every turn yeah so douglas what was i mean again uh you shared that it was it was definitely a wild movie but like at, you didn't know anything about this going in yeah i love movie um completely cold and this was one of those things because you told me yourself don't read anything don't watch trailers just go in so i knew there had to be some weird stuff but, like, the vaguest terms, right? Like, I just knew the way people were talking about it in hushed, reverent tones that there had to be something. There had to be some, like, in this little Russian nesting doll, there had to be something kind of weird at the middle. Um, And Peter pretty much succinctly described it. They're very upfront at the beginning about the incest stuff that makes you think, is there something else going on here? Like, that can't be it. That's not the road we're going down. Yeah. And it really messes with your mind of, like, but how's the tape different now? Da, da 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 Which does, in effect, sometimes in movies, making things so overly powerful can reduce the dramatic tension. But society does it in a way to reflect how the powerful members of society really do have such power over you that they can control stuff. Like, they can get away without consequences. And that's what makes the overly powerful nature of the antagonist, like, work there. Like, of course they can just erase the tapes. Of course they can do this. Like, have you seen what rich people can do in our actual world? Like, not really a stretch so it's really good for creating a sense of paranoia and like uh i don't know what's going to happen next i don't i was always constantly uh surprised what was going to happen like when the guy came back from his throping slit yeah and he just shows up and i was like hold on what is discount eddie d's and doing back 
and I was <laughs> just woo. So uh, this was a roller coaster, and just when I thought, yeah. um, it can't get any weirder, <laughs> then the last half hour kicks in, and um, my eyeballs. <laughs> Did they pop out of your head or go into your butt? Because these are those are both. two options that happen to eyeballs. Uh both. At the end of this. And that's the thing that's weird about the ending also is that it's funny. Like, it's horrific and it makes you want to gag. But, like, there's outright, like, dumb toilet humor. There's outright, like, cartoonishness tossed in with, like, you're, all the people getting eaten. Like, Blanchard getting eaten, it's, it's like, genuine pain and horror in his face. Like, there's no joking yeah. there. It's not like, ha-ha, he, he got shunted. It's It's, like... Oh God! Whatever he's going through must be complete agony, and they won't even let him die while they're doing it. But it, the funny parts come because uh, while it is complete agony, and um, the guy who plays Blanchard is so good at just at, at portraying like getting uh, sucked apart at the seams, I guess would be the way to put it. But remember, for everyone else, this is like a sixteen-year party in the making. Like, so it does make sense that everyone else is kind of goofy and having fun and and drinking and doing stupid stuff, because to them, it's just a good rich person time. Anyone watching it is like an unknowable horror that you couldn't even imagine on your in your worst nightmares. But for them, party time. It's nice to not see a movie like this where it pretends like the rich have no internal lives or that they like they're somehow in agony about, you know, having all this power. It's like very honest with the fact they're like, well, no, this is, these are the traditions that we've lived by. These are the traditions that we've always lived by. And this is what we do. And, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a fun event. Why wouldn't it be a fun event? If we do, if we don't make it a fun event, it's depressing. We might actually start realizing the cost of our actions. Well, (laughs) just that there is no, yeah, there is no cost to them. Right. Like they, and that's the other thing I really like about the ending. Like they're not actively evil. They're not like, and I think that's where like a blood cult to Satan would have not, may have been well directed. I'm sure there would have been some good special effects. But like when you get to those blood cults by Satan, it is like, now the darkness, now you're bringing down, finally we eat, you know. And while that's that's scary, they're just like super villain, cartoonishly evil. And these guys are not. They're just like, yeah, of course we, we get, we meld our skin together. We eat that guy. We fuck around. We have a room spanning skin orgy. That's... We're here to party. It kind of reminds me of what makes like Ready or Not, the villains in Ready or Not, so fun is that they yeah. want to be the super duper cultists that are creepy, but they're just keep getting just undermined by the yeah. yeah, like their own humanity and vulnerability, and keeping that humanity is what makes them and the villains of uh, society like so eerie. Well, actually, well, and the difference is that in in Ready or Not, they're incompetent, and that's what's funny. They want to be competent, mm-hmm. they're not. In society, they don't need to be competent. Like, we have money and power. Also, we don't, we don't need to be good at this. Want to give them kudos, too, for not overly explaining stuff. I am so glad they didn't pause the third act to, like, explain every inch of their mythos or whatever. It's just, we've been here a while, and we've been here longer than you have. And they don't have to even name what they are. It's That's not important. So actually, that's a, so that's a great uh, something I wanted to jump off on because I know the common thing is like they're weird aliens, but they 
they and this obviously came from a script where they were a where the idea was they were aliens but i actually like the idea that they're they're saying hey we've been around as long as you have we're just like we're a different class we're a different breed i like the idea that they said they mentioned genghis khan and julius caesar and like yeah it's all it's all part of this and i kind of like the idea that they're not aliens like they're not they're not a malevolent malevolent outside force that came in to take advantage of humanity. I like the idea that uh, from a truly like biological uh, standpoint, that the wealthy, having that much wealth and power is so corrupting on a biological level that over thousands of years that they literally just have a different evolutionary path. Like yeah. having access to anything that you're – to uh to your anything your heart or mind or anything desires and just causing this much pain like it literally puts you on a track to become a different species even if at some point you started out at the same level and like that speaks to me in a way that i think is more reflective of the themes because like how can you not watch this movie in 2019 and think oh yeah it's like trump wanting to fuck his daughter and he probably had like or yeah look at all these fucking rich people that literally they caused a a financial collapse and no one went to jail not a person like how can you not watch this in in the end of the the 2010s and not go yeah this this is this is us this is doesn't matter if it's this country even though our country has amassed a lot of wealthy assholes go to england there's the piers morgans and the all those assholes like it it is amazing um how much like wealth has fundamentally changed people and in a week where mark zuckerberg who was an asshole harvard college kid like literally is like helping to destroy to bring uh uh fascism up and he like just you watch those senate testimonies and he just doesn't understand he gets run over by everyone like aoc and stuff like that but he is just like yeah i don't like your words don't matter to me because we're just not on the same level so i don't need to answer you i don't even need to have an answer because it doesn't matter because i have so much power i don't need to be competent yeah, so you know, uh, I think you can interpret. I think I think the movie is saying they're actual aliens because <laughs> he accuses them of being alien scum, and they say we've been here as long as you have been. So he was basically saying like you don't belong here, you should get out. And they're saying like, well, we've been here for as long as human beings have been here. Why should we get out? You like you're we're as much you know we're not alien to here. We're natives. Uh, no. And then he calls them alien scum again. I think the movie is saying they're aliens, but like I think that you can. I think it's more interesting from the perspective and I took the perspective Aaron that you were talking about that they've just been around so long that even if they even if they yeah they started out looking uh exactly like us but yeah their their the rarefication of their lifestyle and the way they treat people and the cruelty and the 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 uh, separating themselves out from everyone else in these upper echelons of society has made them into entirely different beasts that feed in different ways and also like shunting reads to me as a ritual that they perform almost as a bonding activity because yeah it's not reproductive it doesn't grant them more power nope absolutely not i think they eat normal food i mean they eat bugs and shit but they're shown at the party eating i think snails um they're eating they're they're eating food they're drinking wine like they seem to be able to eat all of our stuff i don't think shunting is for nope. sustenance and like it's why they make a game out of it they like to kind of torture their prey because it's fun to them and people and if it were then people wouldn't 
go off and like split off you know the way the family does it didn't go have sex instead like it's supposed to be like a bonding mating ritual between the upper echelons of the the highest highest of the one percent as opposed to uh you know, uh, well, if we don't shunt, then, you know, how are we supposed to make more rich people? Or if we don't shunt, how are we supposed to eat? Like, that's that's not what's on the table here. What do you think, Doug? Aliens or? <laughs> uh, Well, OK, I got like alien vibe originally from them because they're like weird organisms that aren't distinctly human. But I think I'm leaning more towards your direction, Aaron. But uh, like I said earlier, what I like about the movies that it. A yeah, movie it doesn't really matter. Yeah, a movie that leaves things to my imagination is always good, and that's especially true in horror. What you can't see is scarier than what you do see, and what you don't know is scarier than what you do know. And the level of mysteriousness just really feels like it puts us in the protagonist's shoes, because he doesn't know everything that's going on. He's like as surprised as we are. So it just makes sense that he would also... He wouldn't get every piece of information. We shouldn't get that information. It's not important what they are. It's important that he gets the hell out of there right now. Go, get out of there for the yeah. shunting. The, the way I think about it is there's a religious concept that you're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain because saying the Lord's name is is too knowing. It's, it's it, it takes a sense of command and power over the Lord. Like there's there's sort of like a knowingness to it. And the way I think about it with horror is is in a similar sense. Like if you can box in and name and codify and yeah, just really like box in what what these monsters are, it makes them less scary because they they have a sense of explanation. There's a sense of rationale to them. What the movie is saying by refusing to really dig into their origins, what it's saying is stop playing lore cards. Like stop digging into the lore. Just accept them for, you know, what they are. Accept them that they exist. Get it, engage with this on an actual, it's not saying, oh, well, because once you start getting into like the deep, dark details, it, it becomes harder to cast this on regular society and, uh, society, man. Um, and, the, and, and we're that, living in it. And the thing that people talk about, I, I've said, often said that subtlety is overrated. And one of the reasons that I, I say that is because in a lot of, uh, genre fare, especially, um, by heightening and by blowing up human emotions to a size that we can really grasp it and really examine it, um, we give ourselves uh, power over it. So in a way, the movie is empowering the monsters to be scarier to us. But by making the monsters so out of this world, so crazy, like, though I do kind of believe that Donald Trump probably could be one of these weird shunting monsters. Um, he already looks make- like he's half uh, decompressing or shedding too, his skin or whatever he was too lazy to go fully back to human he was yeah, like, it's like that judge who like takes a while to get there yeah he was like i'm getting too old for this shit yeah exactly um and, and by making the monsters scarier by making them less known it's actually giving us a sense of empowerment through that terror by the by through that fear by saying these are the true monsters in society we've we've made deny some of the truths that we've laid out in front of you i know we made it very huge and very campy but like deny these truths to us because i I don't see where they would be and i also think like if you watch this movie and are like oh like are kind of mocking at how like broad it is or how big it is with that oh i get is it saying rich people's bad it's like yeah it is but it's not that's it's assuming that's the base case it's actually trying to say something different it's trying to say that rich people play by 
entirely different rules as everyone else. Right. So they can be big and in your face with how much power they have because that's that's like a given. That's like saying like, oh, I get it. Speed racers about driving fast. It's like, yeah, we yeah, that's it's not subtle about it because it is. It's a movie about fast race cars that go, go, go. But it's also about a f- it's also about a family's love <laughs> and non speed racer. Yeah, if a, if a white kid is driving his dad's car in a nice neighborhood and he gets into an argument with a person of color, um, or they get into an accident or whatever, and there's an argument going on, everyone knows if a cop pulls up to the scene, what's going to happen. <laughs> Like, everyone knows whose side is going to be taken. So, like, that's why they play by different rules, because they've set up the system to allow them to play by different rules. Like, it's it's no mistake. Yeah, exactly. It's not luck, right? Like, the cop is part of it. The asshole bully is a part of it. The person running against him from class, like, president about it. The girl he likes is part. Like, there's, there's nothing in there. And I think that's why, like, the other thing that this does very well, like, it has... But it is horrifying, this idea that, like... You know, the opening scene with his sister, they feel like teenage brother and sister, right? Like, you know, she asks a favor of him. This idea of, like, having parents, like, that, like, yeah, I'm a little distant to them, but, like, you know, he's been raised since birth for these people. Like, I didn't get along with my parents when I was 16 either. But, like, the idea that they didn't even see me as, like, they saw me as less than an animal. Like, because an animal deserves a level of respect and it's like whatever less than that is like garbage to be or how i would treat a fucking pie right like my parents see me as a pie to be like they see you as lars von trier i don't get it it's uh too many cooks joke never mind keep going i got it (laughs) great i'm like he didn't he didn't direct the movie pie doug i love aronofsky but you're working at a very you're look Credit where credit is due. I love it, Deep Dive, Douglas. Deep know, Dive, I Douglas. That's what we're going to call you now. <laughs> the the dive, one time uh, I made like a trip. deep, obscure reference. Yeah, people really like double Ds in some capacity, but in this case, we like a triple D, which is a Deep Dive, Douglas. Do not be confused. Deep Dive is also my adult film name. Great. <laughs> um, because of how <laughs> how uh, obtuse and uh, obscure your uh, your pornography is. <laughs> Do you think this scene is on Pornhub somewhere? So for some very confused people that grew up <laughs> masturbating to like crash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> rich people have an orgy. Yeah, do you mean yeah? Rich, rich orgy must see so much, so much fluids, hot feet fisting action. <laughs> Those hands go everywhere. Full, like, like just to be clear. Full penetration. What you've heard before for full penetration is at best maybe like one twentieth penetration. This movie has full penetration <laughs> all the way through. Um, and uh, so one thing I I don't want to forget, like we did talk a lot about the shunting scene. I I don't know who has the Arrow Blu-ray, Peter. I know for a, I know for a legitimate fact you do, unless you gave away my present. Uh, no, it's in my, my box of special Blu-rays. Good. Uh, good, Peter. Don't even get fingerprints on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, so I just won't watch it. Well, wear gloves, Peter. There's ways. Like, have you ever not thought about how to cover up a murder? <laughs> like, wear gloves. 
Why would hey, I uh, cover up a murder? Simple. I want people to see what I've done. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that really resonates with me with the Bong Joon Ho's mother. Y'all, I'm looking at Society's Rotten Tomatoes page, and this is probably the biggest evidence against Rotten Tomatoes. Because it is a rotten film on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. I mean, people didn't like this. They were like, yeah, people fucking hated this movie. Most of these reviews are from today, though. Uh, Uh, like today? Yeah, Paul Chambers (laughs) from Movie Chambers in June 2015 says, Society's poorly written, but ultra gory. Don't go thinking, but don't go thinking this is a guilty pleasure. While Slasher Pool in 2000... Don't feel guilty. 2004 says, is an attempt to make a different movie, but different is far from the same thing as good. It's actually not ultra gory. I'm pretty sure there's about like 12 ounces of blood in the whole movie. Yeah, the yeah. The audience score is 51%. Yeah, jelly is not gore. Yeah, that's... I, I wonder what and there's the, actually I, very few... There's there's very little... I don't know. Uh, I don't is know there just, blood? Like... No, there's a guy's throat getting cut. Oh, that's and right. And that's why I said I think there's, I think they literally whipped up like twelve ounces of blood in there. Basically, Brian Yesna uh, claimed later that he was like, I wanted to keep the blood lower so they could get away with other things. Yeah, um, get away. And, with and so he was did. saying like the you know if I had to recut the ending, I didn't want to cut around uh, blood squirting everywhere. I wanted to I wanted it to be presented as like this clean. This well, you know, not very dirty, but you know, this sort of clean, like I mean, animal act. Yeah, more grease than blood, though. I I was primed for like, oh my gosh, you have to see Society. Like, you know how sometimes you felt like you could own a movie that would get you in a ton of trouble, or like, oh yeah, my parents never walked that. Like, I had movies that like were not like pornography but like oh like species 2 or some shit that's like i don't want my parents to find species 2 i'm gonna put this dvd like because my my parents would be weirded out by i can't think of a movie that would have felt more dangerous to possess than like being a kid who had the society vhs (laughs) like (laughs) what what would happen if your parents were like what is he watching uh, my parents one time watched walked in. I'd been watching a Takashi Miike movie, and I fell asleep. And my parents walked in while I was watching it. And this is the only time in my life my parents have ever taken a movie away from me. I woke up <laughs> to the sound of my mom pulling a DVD out of the disc. I think it was Shinjuku Triad Society. Someone who was having violent sex where a woman was bleeding from the mouth. Uh, and I just woke up to that image, and then my mom standing there. I was like, oh, okay, got it. I'm so excited uh, to watch my first Takashi Miike movie in like two weeks for my Japanese director's wa- class. What are you watching? Audition or audition? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good starter place. It's a good starter That's place. Started, yeah. Yeah, bless this man making a hundred. I've seen movies. dozens of his movies at this point. Um, but yeah, I can't think of society. Would feel like a movie that would be like, yeah, my parents are never allowed to even ask what this is back in the day. Obviously, now I'm a big boy and I can watch what I want. Yeah. Uh, what you can't do is play Super Nintendo past 10 when it's quiet time. <laughs> That's just married life. <laughs> no, I mean when your dad kicked us out because it was oh, quiet time. Oh, yeah. We I Super forgot Nintendo. about that specific specific example. <laughs> that Got is it. a very that, – that's it's good I explained it because you should have been the only person listening to this that got the reference, but you didn't. So. Oh, I should have yeah. just said right then like, oh, I remember <laughs> – yeah, I would have been I would have been embarrassed by the event if I wasn't uh, approaching thirty and wanted to go to bed. Everyone thought it was oh yeah, it's quiet time. Okay, but we were playing Super Nintendo, which somehow made it even funnier. Yeah, that Super Nintendo Mini. Oh, I gotta stop playing Super Mario World and get a cab. It'd be funny <laughs> if my dad made you lay down in one of the guest beds. 
they they did they did do a good round of like who's driving everyone home. Oh, <laughs> um, they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's um, funny. That was they didn't really care. They just wanted to make sure everyone was leaving. <laughs> yeah, just want to make sure like you're not gonna like walk and then come back and go. I can't walk that far. <laughs> I'm staying here. Um. Uh. Anyway. Uh. So one thing I don't so. Uh, if you have the Arrow Blu-ray, which is where this started 20 minutes ago, uh, <laughs> they, have, they have some good special features on the disc. One of them is an interview with Brian Usno, which is really good. Another one is an interview with most of the actors who come back to talk about it. Uh, it is worth it for them describing what happened when they read the script. Most of them were cast with pages from their character. And then... They eventually got the whole script, and the guy that plays Ferguson, like, didn't read it for a while. Um, the guy that played um, Blanchard went to go talk to his agent in person once he got the full script and was like, I don't know if I want to do this movie. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be like, because as, can you imagine reading these words, whatever they described and being like, uh-huh, what is this going to be? <laughs> like, but uh, all of them have very positive experience in the movie, um, and we're all like really glad they stuck it out. But hearing all of them go, "Huh, what is this?" I really want to know. Sign up for like filming the climax. I want to be on the set that day. So they talked a lot about it. So it actually took a week, and what started as fun, uh, and like the guy that played Blanchard said, he was it was it was the last week of filming. They did all that. And he had been nervous about it the whole time. And his exact quote is, uh, you know how sometimes when you get really nervous about something and then ends up being nothing and you kind of feel dumb for being so stressed out about it? This was worse than I imagined. So I was glad <laughs> that uh, I didn't uh, have anxiety for weeks and weeks for nothing. Um, <laughs> like, he said it wasn't like like worse like he was like, you know, in any way, like not made sure he was taken care of. But just the act of like having your body in a couch while people like grab your head and stuff like that for a week. He's like, it's terrible. It's like one of the, he said, I'm very proud of it. I think my performance is great. Uh, Yuzna was so great during it. Screaming Mad George was fun to work with, but yeah, it was not fun to do. Yeah. That sounds fucking miserable. Yeah. And everyone's covered. So I guess the stuff that they're all covered in, I forget what the name of it is. It's the same thing that um, they put in jelly donuts. Billy, the guy that played Billy, is like, I've not eaten a jelly donut since because I was covered <laughs> in that stuff for a week. I don't blame him. But yeah, like, can you imagine? Like, we watched this movie. Like, we see the final result and we're like, holy shit, what is this? Can you imagine being cast in this movie, getting the full script and being and reading this described? Like, talk about a, uh, am I going to die? Am I going to die on the set of this movie? You're going to get shunted. You're going to get shunted. You got, sh that's a, that's, that, that should be a new, like, trash talk, I feel like. You got shunted. <laughs> you got, oh no, oh no. You got used nud. <laughs> yeah, someone should uh, redub NBA Jam. He got shunted. <laughs> Everybody slam. And, and then everyone comes the down from the stick. Everyone comes down from the uh, the stadium and just forms into this pixelated blob on the field while Jesus. whatever Scotty Pippen is just screaming. Scotty Pippen. <laughs> well, yeah, because Michael Jordan wouldn't have his likeness to NBA Jam. Doug, these are all millennial things that everyone is aware of. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so, do we want to go to final thoughts? 
Uh, I want to just mention a quick things we didn't talk about. Um, this movie has da- shut to get <laughs> The dad is called a butthead by Billy early in the movie. And he's like, don't you call me a butthead. And then at the ending scene, he has moved his... I can't, like, I don't know how to describe this, but he's like... His his face is in his butt, but not coming out of his butt. It's like his butt and his face is merged. And he's walking on two feet like he's literally stuck his head up his own ass. Uh, and he goes... And Billy walks in and he's like, hey, son, I guess I am a butthead. And it rules. Uh... It's very funny. And, like, that design of him sticking his head up his own ass is sort of terrifying. It kind of looks like <laughs> Mac tonight. Yes, a little bit. Yes. The McDonald's. Like, just it's just kind of a, a weird face situation. Yeah, where, like, they, they drew a face and then they drew everything around it. Yep. Um, I also like that he defeats Ferguson by literally punching him inside out. Uh, yes, yes, and I, I the weird thing about that is for some reason that makes sense to me. Even their bodies are, even though their bodies are so um, uh, blobby and amorphous, the idea that they do have some sort of anatomical structure that needs to be sort of, uh, you know, it's like certain parts of your body are elastic, but you can't just like grab them and rip them. Right. Like you have to sort of coax them to be elastic. Um, (laughs) No, I'm not being too vague, Um, (laughs) but uh, the, the uh, I like the idea that because uh, Ferguson was not prepared for the, to be shunted himself in that moment, that he had his rigid human form that uh, that would kill him. That's very, it's a very interesting idea that, like, they the, they soften their bodies and they become, you know, goopy uh, in the act of, um, uh, in the act of shunting. And that before then, they're, they're mostly rigid. Yeah, and the last thing uh, that I have for little notes before we get into final thoughts is um, uh, the MPAA had to watch this. <laughs> Which rules. It I'm rules so, so hard. Especially if you've ever seen the documentary, the film is not yet rated, and, like, get a sense of what those people are. Uh, the, the the studio brought this to the MPAA, and they had to sit, and they had to watch the whole thing, and then they had to go give it a rating. And they gave it an R rating, probably so no one ever talked to them about the movie again. <laughs> Please, get this out of our sight. <laughs> uh, we'll give you a rating if you let us burn this copy of it. Yeah, like if remember if they appeal it, they have to watch it again <laughs> <laughs> to show what they change. And the only part that they would need to show is obviously in the shunting scene. So I can see them giving an R just so they didn't have to deal with ever watching this again. I don't need to watch the films. This film's not yet rated. Just as a side note, it's good. It's really interesting uh, and kind of t- tells you how the MPA is total bullshit. Oh, and I hate it. And it's yeah. a Netflix movie. So we have no we have no answer on Mrs. Carlin, but I'll give you some some uh, sort of final scenes that I wanted to talk about before we go to final thoughts. I love the opening titles of this movie and um, the song that they play oh and the over. song so oh yeah and this the song it's actually over the scene of someone getting shunted but because you haven't seen the movie yet you're like what's this glippity gloop and like I was like oh they're literally showing you every weird thing that's gonna happen yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting game where the movie plays where it pl- it puts all of its cards on the table early but it's so audacious that you you're like yeah I, I would never believe such a thing yeah um, you have no frame of reference for what you're seeing because it doesn't look like a thing that your mind recognizes so like it, it is audacious it's it's like 
yeah, we're going to tell you everything that's going on and you're you're still going to be surprised by the end. Yeah, it's beautiful yet horrific, right? Like, yeah, it's uh, that, that that whole song and the way they return to it during this shunting. Uh, it's this um, it's, it's it's similar to like, you know, a, a Ivy League ballad where it's someone singing a song about like a specific society that they're a part of. Um, it's like sort of a choir, a choral song. And it's so cool as a taking this sort of um, aesthetic that a lot of us are f- familiar with, especially like even if it's just like pomp and cir- the song pomp and circumstance, like that comes from an old tradition of like rich people bullshit where it's like <laughs> this idea that, uh, y- you know, you're, you're you you're entering into now that you're an alum of this organization you're entering into this the higher echelons of this this group um even if you know regardless of what college or university you went to that song like originated from like uh you know a higher education um higher higher education i'd say um higher and higher yeah (laughs) it's from whatever college all the kids from uh, what hot american summer went to um but yeah, that that that's that creepiness of taking something an aesthetic that most of us are at least familiar with, but not like um, probably a part of, makes it really alienating and creepy. But just to be clear, if you are a shunter, fuck you. Don't listen to this podcast. If you're listening to this and you're a shunter, yeah. If you shunt, that's you got best. Get, get out of get, here, run. Get get punt. Yeah, that's the only kink what's, we shame around here. What's the thing that they say in this movie though that they do use the rhyming like? Uh, King of the hunt, master of the shunt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, and it was like, everyone laughs at it, but like, I mean. They know it's dumb, but yeah. it's still fun. Rhyming's yeah. fun. Rhyming's fun. We can agree with that. Maybe the rich aren't so bad. They like rhyming, just like me. And a common yeah, moron. Maybe, they, maybe, maybe they'll accept me as one of theirs, and I can reap <laughs> the benefits. Uh any other moments, Doug, that you want to bring up before we get into some final thoughts? Y'all, I can't believe we've gone through this whole podcast. We haven't talked about the moment where the protagonist is at the beach and he runs into the woman and she's carrying a bottle of sunscreen. And the camera's positioned just so because he's laying down on the beach floor and she's standing up in front of him. And the camera's positioned just so that when she squirts the bottle of sunscreen and it just goes all over his face... It looks like something else. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really Chekhov's uh, ejaculate sunscreen because like he goes into the bathroom where his sister is like showering and like her body's twisted and he's like, ooh, I kind of like looking at this and then she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he grabs the sunscreen and then like it, the sunscreen plays another important role later. It's, so yeah. It's a, it's a, not only is it just like a, whoa, that's weird, but it's just an example of fun like double entendres that this movie is this movie revels in the weird and like the shameless visual gags and i love that about it it's got yeah just a fun visual mind to it and yuzu talks a little bit about that like he's like he was trying to think of what would be the most scary thing is it what's scary your parents are trying to murder you or they're trying to murder and like also sleep with you uh as as like retrograde and as like uh transgressive as that is like he did tap into something that's like everything under the surface of this movie is terrifying and everything on the surface of this movie is also terrifying. Well, I think that feeds into something else. Just one other thing I'd say, too, that I really like about it is how um, American cinema, I don't know if you two have noticed, we're a little bit prudish. Sometimes we have a little bit trouble uh, just even touching on the topic of sexuality. I just like the film itself is 
just very upfront on sexuality and like taps like you just said it taps into it to like into like a lizard part of your brain of like exposing horror and scares of like oh god oh god oh god and that kind of stuff it gets weird it gets nasty and that gives it a unique personality to it it's not at all sanitized yeah this is yeah this is what it's really like to have sex so i'm glad this movie had the bravery to show it (laughs) i've never had it so i don't know (laughs) is this what it's like is this what it's it's basically there is goop (laughs) all right you take Uh, notes uh (laughs) watch out for goop um watch out for the goop you would never stoop to not goop the the sex in this movie is very interesting because it's very rarely geared towards male titillation, which is like the only sex we usually get in nineteen eighties movies, especially. You put it uh, better than American I could movies have. generally. You you put it better than I could have. We have a the only sexuality we usually get is tilted towards that one gaze, and this movie is not going for that exclusively at all. Yeah, and you'd have to be you'd have to be a pretty interesting person to find the end uh, sexy. In fact, just thinking on it now, even like fun visual gags like the ejaculate sunscreen tend to position the male in a subservient position uh, to other characters around him, which uh, is, again, a bit of a unique element to these kind of films. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Aaron, do you mind if I give my final thoughts? Give your final thoughts. So my final thoughts on the movie. <laughs> so as we move towards the end, um, I, I really want to highlight for my final thoughts, I really want to highlight uh, Bill as a character. Who I find really interesting because he's kind of like awkward and charming in the same moment. He seems to have like an imperfect grasp of his privilege, which makes him sympathetic. He's he's anxious and uncomfortable and having nightmares, and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't totally gel with his position, which I think makes following a rich white kid uh, actually tenable um, because he's not it's not Ferris Bueller, right? It's almost like a rebuking of the Ferris Bueller kind of kid, where like Ferris Bueller. As much fun as it is to watch that movie, and, like, Matthew Broderick is is incredibly charming, Ferris Bueller is just, like, living through his entitlement and enjoying the shit out of his entitlement, which, you know, like, you could could argue, like, why not in some sense? Because he's a kid, he's not, like, an actual power player, but in the other sense, like, it makes him hard for a lot of people to get behind as a protagonist. With Bill, it's, before you've even seen the movie before and you're watching it, you're like, he just doesn't seem, yeah, he's like a sports hero and people seem to generally like him, but he seems uncomfortable in his own skin and like he doesn't seem to, to, to mesh with everything. And I think the performance is uh, is actually really strong at, at demonstrating that. Uh, the character is also interesting because of the way he grapples with, you know, embracing that entitlement. Because ultimately what everyone just wants from him is like... Uh, you know, just embrace your entitlement. Let's see. Let's you know. Let's see how if we can uh, train this this monkey to be a man in a sort of sense. It, at different points, he seems to be distracted from the conspiracy by sex, which I find very interesting. Like that's the only thing that'll draw him away from satisfying his his curiosity and his anxiety about this conspiracy around him is is pursuing sex, which is a very interesting way to take teen sex comedies and teen sex horror movies because usually it's 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 seen as like a punishment instead in this movie it's seen as like yes it's it's a distraction for him but it's also like it's kind of him bonding with him one of the enemy so that's that's an interesting uh that's an interesting you know uh uh, point of conflict between typical 80s horror movies and 80s comedies um 
he has a line that says, I'm not paranoid, but all, all my fear, all my fears are real. Um, <laughs> which is very, which is very funny. Um, and I think that it really outlines what's so fun about this movie before we get to the shunting and why it's not just one of those movies where you're like, all right, it's kind of boring, but just wait till you get the last 20 minutes. It's because I think Bill is an interesting character to follow around. I think that the way that he's, his inner turmoil is shot uh, is very interesting, yes, and I think the way he's scripted is very interesting. But the performance, I think, is is um, really where it's at because he's he's weaving, like I said, between privilege and discomfort in a way that I think makes him a viable protagonist, especially in 2019, where I think, like we talked about earlier, uh, there can be some discomfort in following around a white protagonist in a white world being rejected by the upper upper echelons because he's no longer part of it. Yeah, he the actor is really good. Like he does give off a lot of Michael J. Fox energy in the way he kind of acts, but Michael J. Fox has great energy. Um, he's like the perfect person for this type of role. Uh, Doug, sock it to me, shunt it to me, sock it to me, drill it to me, whatever you need. Um, society was a very interesting discovery. I love you two have such a much more vast knowledge of the little nooks and crannies of horror cinema, so than I do. So I appreciate y'all just bringing this to my attention because, wow, what an interesting exploration of not just the wealth gap in America and the upper echelons compared to the the haves and haves nots, but also just a showcase for Screaming Mad George's exceptional uh, makeup and visual effects and a bonkers ending that like, I know it's it said like every review, that last half hour though is just madness from another dimension. It's just, you're never going to see anything like it. That alone puts it over the top for me. But there's still plenty more where, uh, to praise about the movie that I just like. I like the humor in it. I like its unpredictability. I like the how uh, <laughs> I like how well the actors of uh, the parents, especially, put on a facade of just genial rich people, but then also turn on a dime and are good at equally good at being like malicious monsters. It's just society's a good movie. I don't mind living in it. Yeah, finally a society worth living in. Finally? I mean, if we learned anything from Joker, the part in Joker where he paused the movie to talk about how good society was, that was a really good part. He's a rebel, Doug. Like, he'll pause his own movie to talk about society. Now, my fi- um, top five bri- favorite Brian Usenov movies are... Uh, there's uh, there's other good ones. You should go see... You should see The Dentist. You should see Bride of Reanimator. Uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting to look at, like, because um, I after Reanimator, I fell down the rabbit hole of that to see that he actually directed the sequels to that. Yeah, don't watch Beyond. If you go right up to Bride of Reanimator, if you've gone beyond Bride into Beyond Reanimator, you've gone too far. <laughs> you've gone beyond the pale at that point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my uh, – I get – so the thing about this movie that – I mean, there's so many things about this movie. There's a lot. I really like – um, but it's angry in like a way that I find uh, very compelling in that it isn't it isn't angry on screen. Like it's not like when you watch something like Sorry to Bother You, that is a movie that is like seething angry and rightfully so. I love that. Movie. This is a movie that's like angry and fills all of its void with excess as opposed to like biting satire. There is some satire in this. But like it's a it it's showing the ridiculous nature of the idea that like 
rich people are not like you. And as you think, as you're someone who thinks that you can be like them, you are only going to get more and more alienated. And I also think it like touches on, especially like now, uh, now that like we're literally seeing just 400 rich assholes destroy the planet and everything else that comes with it. Like you just constantly suspect, like what do you, what do they say behind closed doors? What do you think they're talking about? Because like the stuff we see in public, the stuff that gets released, like they clearly just have no concept of a moral center. Like they're, they're, they're kind of rules of empathy and humanity. Just, they just, they're, they're too far removed from it from the most part. And it's like, you always just suspect like that they know it and they don't care. And this is a movie that is really kind of showing like the most extreme version of that, like behind closed doors, they are unrecognizable as, as human. And yeah, like there isn't a concept of morality that still applies to them. And uh, in some ways, I think that's uh, when you get to this level, that level of rich and powerfulness, I think that's probably accurate. I think we tend to humanize our like evil capitalist billionaires and in a lot of ways aspire to be them. Like I was uh, read a really good article recently that was talking about like at some point the American dream shifted from like having a nice home and enough to provide to your family to being one of the richest people on the planet. And that's the dream that people strive for. It's why and like that we've been sold by other billionaires. That like someday you're going to be just like us. You're going to join your place in society. If you just work three jobs and don't tax us. And uh, yeah, this is that like, it feels like we are living in some capacity in the society depicted in this movie. You just blew um, my mind. And uh, yeah, so it's, like it's 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 fun just from a purely special effects showcase, from a horror showcase, from a mystery. Th- like it's such a good movie. I've been saying leading up to this that we're gonna do the best movie ever, and while I mean that a little bit facetiously, I like I think this would go on my top ten horror movies of all time. Like I just, it's not just a showcase for goopiness. It's impeccably directed structure, special effects, but it also like depicts depicts a class of society the rich class of our society in a in a way that gives them no humanity which most most movies are not brave enough to do or no common humanity i guess i should say so yeah i love this movie and if you haven't seen it uh why did you listen to us ruin the whole thing but even our words cannot fully describe what you would see uh so uh yeah watch the shunt for yourself i guess would be what i would say or if you haven't watched in a while Get reshunted, which sounds like uh, a terrible title for a uh, uh, a PlayStation Two remake that's coming out on PlayStation Four. Like <laughs> Alpha Protocol reshunted. <laughs> Time for the shunting. Doug, thank you so much for coming on our Halloween special with us uh, and to get honored. to uh, a- expose you to this movie. It was a pleasure and a privilege to be exposed to society. It's always a joy to talk to you too, and especially when there's shunting to do. Doug, please plug us. Be a shunt. <laughs> this is the most. I think. First of all, I think this is the most sexual um, podcast I've ever been on. Um, <laughs> uh, Have you been on other podcasts besides ours? Not a one. <laughs> not a one. Um, so this is the most sexual our podcast has ever been. You know it. Um, Imagine if we talked about society and we tiptoed around fucking. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's like someone gives someone a high five through their face. <laughs> so in terms of my plugs, um, like I said at the outset of the review, I'm on my own website, Land of the Nerds, as well as The Spool, Prosper Press, The Salute, and uh, my monthly column in Scarletine about life on the autism spectrum. I've also got a Patreon, Douglas Lehman. Uh, just keep an eye out for that. Uh, I think that's all I've got. Just a little bit of everything writing on the internet. Oh, that's oh, that's all. That's all you got. That's only going to be the most links we've ever included. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it's it's that's worth all it. you got. You're just going <laughs> to yeah. cap out our uh, our uh, <laughs> letter cap for our ta- our character cap for how many uh, words we can put in our fucking description. Um, <laughs> but all worth it because uh, it's, it's like all I said, fantastic. It's all, worth it. it's all yes. fantastic and truly, Doug. Like. You're right up of uh, of society. Um, it, it wasn't just focused on the goopiness, and and that stuff is great to focus on because that stuff is amazing. Like I, I was impressed at how insightful and thoughtful uh, the review was, and everything else that you've done this month. Uh, so I will definitely we'll definitely link to all that, and you should check it out now. After all this goopiness, after all this horror, oh, we got to clean up- so much up. I know we're going to be cleaning for a while, guys. But in the meantime, uh, we have a we have a pretty big change of pace month that we're very excited about. So Peter and I have talked about in this podcast how much we love uh, Jim Henson and Muppet properties. And so that's what we're doing after so much horror, so much terror, Lovecraft, Goop, uh, Vampires, Jennifer's Body. Like we're ready to take a like a little breather from horror and do the exact opposite, which is uh, just being like hugged inside by a warm, bright center of the universe. And so we're doing uh, next week will be the Muppet movie with Ethan Warren. Uh, and then the following week will be the Muppets with uh, Man About Town Douglas Lehman. Um, the 2011, uh, the Muppets, uh, and then we're doing, uh, Sesame, uh, Street presents, uh, follow that bird with Joey Lee and wrapping up the month with Ethan Warren again, because we gave him an impossible choice between the Muppet movie and Muppet Christmas Carol. And he said, can I do both? And I said, of course you can. That was our fault to begin with. So (laughs) he'll be joining us again at the end of the month for the Muppet Christmas Carol to lead into our December and our uh, probably truly a Christmas surprise month that we have in store for you. Uh, It's a surprise to us. We're doing it. So, (laughs) Peter, you ready for what's we're we're going to move right along from the shunting and find the rainbow connection and our place in society why are there so many butts on my butt (laughs) (laughs) it should be like butts in my butt uh great coming out the other side (laughs) i said good night shunting i want to go to shunting (laughs) mother tell your children not to walk my way Tell your children not to hear my words What they mean, what they say Mother Mother Can you keep them in the dark for a while? Can you have a proper wedding world? Oh, mother Mother Gonna take you down
so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. Show, we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. <laughs> Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>